0: Welcome to Across the Pond, Marketing Transformed, a podcast that explores ways to transform your business and marketing strategy, whether you are a rising star, entrepreneur, or experienced professional. A show packed with stories to inspire success and build a growth mindset for you and your company. Featuring global brand CMOs, transformation experts, and business founders, your co-hosts, Chris Lawson in London, UK, and Samuel Monney, Across the pond in Philadelphia, USA. Hey Sam, how are you doing this week?
1: Hey Chris, I'm doing great, sir. How are you? How's everything over in the, the across the pond?
0: Great, yeah. It's it's um it's pretty good actually. We're finding a few things opening up um pubs restaurants yeah you know, strange things like that you
1: know yes I, I keep wanting to say the new normal in these uncertain times but again it's they're so cliched now so it's kind of obviously for the audience perspective at time of recording we are in the midst of covid but equally we are committed to delivering this agile marketing action plan
0: that's it that's when they listened back and well, listen in 2030, isn't it, Sam? I go,
1: well, what the <laughs> hell are they on about? Exactly. Hopefully, hopefully it'll be a long distant memory.
0: Yeah, this is it. Exactly. So after outlining the, the four cornerstones that are needed for our Agile Marketing Action Plan um, over the last four episodes. Um, and, you know, and they, they're the foundations that no plan should be without. We're going to focus on the the top of the marketing funnel this week and explore the techniques, the tools, the planning process to secure the best growth for your product, brand or company. So it really doesn't matter which marketing school you were brought up in, whether you learn all your marketing from YouTube videos or you're referring back to some sort of dusty old book. The bottom line is that before you can drive sales, you have to drive awareness and engagement. Uh, there's no shortcuts unless you're going to bribe customers for sales, which is very, very short term and, and only ends up in one situation. So we're going to concentrate on that top of a funnel activity, driving customers off wherever they're at, both physical or digital destinations. And as we move them into a branded environment and then try to sell them a product or service sooner or later. And um, we'll talk a bit more about that later on. And still, as we've discussed in some of the previous podcasts, the majority of all investment is still made in brand and acquisition. Uh, we've talked a lot about how that mix is not quite right and and actually more balance needs to be made to sort of retention orientated activity. But at the moment, it's still very much um, that is the status quo. But seeing as always, industries follow the money, there, there's literally hundreds of channels and hundreds of opportunities to incorporate into your marketing mix. So this show we're gonna try and cut through that, tell you how to plan, what to include, what to forget about, um, and or at least how to make that assessment. And and if you're you're sat here and you're listening and you're thinking, well, I'm a search specialist and therefore I'm not sure how this is relevant, then then think again. Um, as pretty much all disciplines have been flavor of the month at one point.
1: Yeah, as I think about that, Chris, and we we tend to perhaps bias when we think about this space to more of the digital uh, aspects. But when I think of performance marketing, I in my mind, it could be as old school as it gets. It, for me, it could be emails, online ads, flyers. Database marketing, promotional letters, newspapers, outdoor, phone texts, magazine ads, coupons, phone calls, whatever those things are, postcards, websites and catalogs. So when I think about this whole space, there is an opportunity to think about it, not just in the in the forms of digital marketing, but direct response marketing, any marketing where you have data and you you know what does or doesn't work. That counts as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. Again, you know, one of the themes running through the podcast has been about not getting too hung up on labels. It's it's what the substance that counts, and what we're talking about here is measurability, targeted by nature, um, and obviously driving performance. And, and this equally applies if you're operating in the B two B space as the B two C space. Um, as my personal view is that the techniques are now merging, and if anything. The recent worldwide lockdown has accelerated that. Back in the day, B2B used to focus on PR, sales and events, and more sales-driven activity as its main marketing strategy. And direct marketing uh, directed at companies was also a major route. But the lockdown has now shown two things. One, the events industry has has had to move online. And has embraced that well I think over the last three months um, but will it ever come back as it was before so you need to find different ways of reaching those audiences um, and the second one uh, is the fact that with potentially a third of workers never returning to work employer based comms are also out so so what are you left with well you're you're left with needing to find more ingenious ways to Reach the audience. Um, I was reading about something called a a chefinar, um, Sam, which was a a uh, a device, a networking device where companies would deliver um, sort of food parcels to sort of clients or partners, and then bring a chef to do a sort of online tutorial as they talked about business. You know, sort of a, a new version of taking your own clients out to dinner, which I thought was quite ingenious. Um, but but you know the point being is that you're going to need to look at new channels as we try and sort of drive that forward, and as we said many times before, a need to move from one-to-many to one-to-one.
1: There is some some strong data and insight that says that we need to do both, that this research by Binet and Field, or Binet and Field, uh, that they, they continue to argue that sales activation works in the short term, has great impact, but the effects delay over time. Therefore, the brand investments matter as well because they're pr- more pronounced over, the, over time. So you have to balance both in order to ensure that you get marketing impact. Before you move on, Chris, There's some data that I think is helpful for us to think about this space. Firstly, 17% of marketers use landing A-B tests to improve conversion rates. Only 17%, there's a huge upside there. We have five seconds of a page load time, has the greatest impact on conversion rates. 49, 50% of consumers say they use Google to discover a new item. And then about half of the searches on Google now end without a click on a result. So with all that's going on, we need to get better and better understand this space.
0: Okay, so yeah, really good points there, Sam. I think sometimes we we think when we sort of hear the statistics around uh, sort of digital marketing or transformation that the stats are all shown about optimization. But if anything, that just shows the um, room for growth and the the opportunity. I think. So, what have we got in our toolbox, um, and why is it that we think that this is? now simpler than ever. Uh, It's based on both Sam and myself uh, working on a number of brands and companies which are profitable, sophisticated in a lot of cases and incredibly smart, but some are underperforming in their growth marketing or their acquisition-driven activity. So it's a, it's a case of sort of looking through those case studies. So um, imagine this. Imagine going to the gym and just working on one muscle type. Sooner or later, you're going to look pretty weird and probably pull everything out of shape. So why is it that so many people do that with a marketing budget? And it tends to be around paid-for marketing. Performance marketing is really, you know, it does what it says on the tin. It's about um, following on performance and short-term results. Um, It's about leads, conversion and sales. And and whilst the brand activity is important for the company's long-term survival and uh, sustainable growth, performance marketing is uh, the best tool to drive business growth now and in the instant. So let's get into the six-step plan. Um, I'll take the first one, Sam, and then you can take the next one after that. Okay, go for it. Yeah, okay. So step one, evaluate your channel mix and cover the basics. Uh, Sounds simple, but it's not. Uh, Focusing on getting your GCSEs before you move on to your A-levels. Uh, what, what would be the equivalent of that in the US,
1: Sam? Yeah, I was going to say you lost. Yeah, so you're talking <laughs> about education here. The GCSEs, see, I'm a Brit trying to explain the American education system. So good luck with to me on that. So the GCSEs are equivalent to grade 10, I believe, in the US. And then A level is, is grade 12. So we're, we're trying to explain you know, progressing to different levels, I guess. We're, we're not going to go to PhD level in this show, I hope. Absolutely not. Get the foundations,
0: get the basics right, do them well then move up a level, then move up another level. And as part of that, you're going to need a strong, organic search plan that seamlessly integrates with your content, and we're going to dedicate a whole episode to that next week. You're going to need a social marketing strategy that increasingly concentrates on S-commerce, social commerce. Um, Brand marketing is going to need to be integrated into everything that we're going to do, and we cover that in a step a little bit further on. And there is no excuse if you think that your brand is dull. Um, It's not around... of uh, the creativity that you think that your brand can do. It's what you can put into it. And you're also going to need personalized, dedicated landing page strategy for the quick sale for those who are ready to buy. And you're also going to need a slow burn as well. Uh, That traditionally is about lead capture, followed by an integrated CRM strategy, a sort of a drip email marketing campaign. Uh, And in, in simple terms, if I give you something of value as part of that data exchange, you're also giving me permission to send you communications via social and or email. And when you're ready to convert on your terms, then, then I'll take advantage of that, that opportunity. And of course, you need a paid for marketing strategy to some degree. And of course, where you want to start off is by using the organic or the low cost methods like the data capture and the email marketing program before you're over supplementing it. With paid for activity, I suppose the challenge is how do you evaluate them? Um, how do you achieve a right balance, and and then how you implement them? But I, I promise that promise you one thing: in terms of like the implementation stage, um, that is actually a bit more straightforward than you may well think. If this is something that you're thinking about from an entrepreneurial uh, perspective and that marketing mix. Google Campaign Manager, Facebook Campaign Manager are, are easy to use with a plethora of free courses to support you. And what's more, they do the hard work for you in terms of evaluating campaign performance. And there are also a number of tools, relatively low cost. So Search, for example, SEMrush, where you can test the different channels and work out the cost-effectiveness of those channels, you know, most most of the tools, most of the martech tools now have a conversion sort of um, where you can look at what the actual cost is of delivering the campaigns you're doing. So, marketing technology is definitely your friend for stage one, I think,
1: Sam. So I'll take step two, and that's about agreeing your budget and using relevant tools and having the the relevant metrics. So it's not about using all the tools and all the metrics, but having the relevant relevant ones for you. Uh, When we talk about the budget, the strong point of view here is that you should actually have it determined. You should have a mindset to actually keep it fluid and not fixed. It's not set it and forget it. And equally, it's not spend it all. So it should be dynamic and responsive to the market, to the competitor, to the needs of your your business. But you should have a a budget in mind to start off with. And the, the metric that we focus on here, especially with what we're talking about, growth and performance, we're thinking here about cost per acquisition. It's a basic component of most marketing strategies. So you start with a budget and then basically you determine how many customers you need to acquire and then you calculate the cost per acquisition on an allowable cost per acquisition. So this, there's various variations which could be cost per lead or cost per channel or cost per inbound channel. And when we say channels, uh, we could think of affiliate or display or social media or content marketing. So you're thinking about all those. But it gets more complicated if you set up, for example, a target cost per acquisition, because you have to be sure you have a good amount of data to do it, especially if you're using some of these systems which allow you to do it in an automated way. It's important to track other more holistic metrics, so marketing return on advertising spend or return on investment, lifetime value, website conversion rates. And we won't go too much into the depth of different metrics. We actually talked a lot about that in episodes 12 and 13. So if you want to hear about the essential marketing metrics, perhaps check out those. But we we talk a lot in this space about having an accurate picture of your marketing. And it's, it's really important to have good assumptions and to have a good assumption of the value of an acquisition. And that means you have to stay close to your data and your assumptions you're making and i've just said the word assumption about 17 times and it's, it's really important here because across the platforms you're gonna have to build out the knowledge and the, and the muscle and in the analytic space, it's a very grow, growing and evolving dis- discipline. There are data analysts, there are search analysts, there are p- paper click man- managers. So modern marketers need to know the limits of their skill set and be proactive to have the resources to support or bring in expertise to actually be better informed in this space. So the caveat here is spending time interrogating the evidence supporting whatever you think is the uh, is driven is driving value. Whatever you think are the data points which which cover the value, that's important for you to actually have evidence to support it so the
0: next step step three is all about reevaluating your social strategy and and social's role in marketing continues to evolve uh, it plays a really important link um, between the brand and performance marketing and it's also increasingly about converting engagement into commerce as well. Uh, And there's a a huge wealth of data out there at the moment. But if you think about it, lockdown has had a dramatic effect on all of our habits, including e-commerce. And as a result, we're seeing 32% of brands increasing their spend on e-commerce, while 62% are decreasing their brand investment. And social commerce has become more prevalent as a result. China has led the way in this, uh, where consumers are making purchases from live streams and short-form videos. Uh, TikTok is probably the platform of the moment with more 18 to 24-year-olds on that um, than there are on Twitter and close to a billion people across the world accessing the platform. But whatever you choose, there's two important lessons. One, you have to make sure that you're making the most out of the platform, whether that is TikTok or Instagram or Facebook. And the second thing, you have to think about your audience culture and what is authentic within that environment. And and I can't emphasize that enough that just because TikTok is flavor of the moment, uh, you really need to think very carefully about whether that is a right platform for you and and evaluating your social strategy and then reevaluating it pretty much every three months, I think, is, is an important next step.
1: So let me take step four and that's about integrating your brand throughout everything. And it's not just a showcase, it's a core component. So right now we won't spend a whole amount of time on on brand building, how to build a brand. We actually covered that really nicely in episode 42. And we talked about the power and the role and the philosophy of of brand positioning and how to, to build a brand plan. So you have that in mind when you're thinking about your growth and performance marketing uh, as we're deep into that that philosophy here so the brand voice personality and values need to come through you're having a story that comes through in, in the work that you do and chris just talked about a social strategy and perhaps using TikTok uh, if it's relevant and if it's appropriate so you've got to turn insights mine from your social platforms to actually target the right people the right message at the right time this applies equally to the biggest brands and the smallest entrepreneurs. And I was just reading a story about Brian Taylor. He has a pet grooming and boarding business based in Harlem, New York, in the US. And because of the COVID situation, the business was completely devastated. And he quickly pivoted to offer a mobile service, which is having a van and taking taking the Harlem doggy day spa and grooming on the road. And the story caught the attention of Gary Vaynerchuk. Now I know we've had a few things to say about him in prior shows and he gets a bad rap, but his advice was quite simple and it makes perfect sense in the context of this small entrepreneur. It was to use Facebook, Instagram, and Nextdoor because you need to drive hyper-local and hyper-relevant messaging to specific people in a very specific ge- geography that you're going to. And you can use your brand experience to bring that doggy day spa to life. But you're also using the data to actually um, be successful, get to the right people and perhaps have a, a scalable business model that you just pivoted to. It makes a lot so of sense, an, doesn't it? Yeah, uh, it's not—it's it's not obvious. It's—it's it's not rocket science here. But you—you know—we talked about TikTok in an earlier segment. So here, you're actually using the right ones, but also the right two or three. So this is not about using hmm. 15 different platforms. And again, it was next door, Facebook, and Instagram were the ones which are deemed. Just focus on those and do those well. Which again, with the hyper local need and geographical specificity of that business, makes perfect sense. Now, from a larger brand perspective, there's a jeweler called Pandora, which some of us are familiar with, and there's a case study from Germany which I thought was helpful. Again, just about doing the basics right. They wanted to use high quality video to generate positive sentiment uh, during their Christmas shopping period and using Facebook video to, to drive the campaign. But they knew that, and they, they, they knew, but they actually then started to work and realised that direct response campaigns drove online sales. And the question was, well, can a brand campaign drive online sales? Well, I guess the short answer is yes, but let's explain how they got there. They they essentially made sure that they actually served up the right content at the right time. They adapted the TV ad. They cut it down to 15 seconds. They reformatted it to a 16 by nine and one one to one square ratio to fit mobile screens to just doing the basics hygiene of delivering the right content in the right way. And brand sentiment and favorability rose 10 points. Views are up and they claim a 61% lift in buyers. So again, this is about bringing your brand through, but delivering it in the right way for the customer consumer or the viewer
0: yeah really impactful that so the next section is about personalization 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 and we focus a lot about personalizing creative but sometimes it's also about personalized channels as well and fusing technology with insight as we've said many times before and there's a great case study from the digital training academy and and actually there's there's a hundreds of excellent case studies if you're in search of inspiration there. And I particularly like the fact that it dealt with a cultural trend for personalization rather than just uh, technology. Uh, this was Diageo um, operating in India. And what they were seeing as an insight was more people hosting small gatherings in, instead of big flashy parties. Uh, yeah, and Let's face it, that, that trend is actually only going to accelerate now. So what they did was that they uh, they tried to target city dwellers, age 25 upwards, um, and they wanted to create a personalized experience. So they actually created an AI-powered chatbot with 300 DIY recipes to make cocktails. Um, yeah, sounds, sounds pretty sensible, pretty straightforward. The idea was about creating a sort of an engaging, but also a helpful and informative and practical experience. Um, And and what I think is fascinating about that is they did most of this on Facebook. This was using uh, the Facebook app um, and the Facebook chat functionality. Um, But the results are absolutely staggering. There was uh, 10 million users were reached within two months of the chat book going live. Uh, 3.2 million users interacted with it. 900,000 users requested recipes with an average of two recipes requested per interaction and 43% of the users returned to interact with a chatbot. So, So I think the things to take out there is that combination of insight and fusing it with technology, but very much focusing on what the cultural trends are and making sure you're getting as laser focused and personalized
1: as you possibly can. Step six is about attribution and re-evaluation every week, every quarter, every few months. I wasn't at all surprised to find 171 million search results on Google when you search marketing attribution. And we could dedicate a whole season and get very technical about this space. But simply put, marketers are struggling as they try to reevaluate what actually is attributable to the money they're spending and the results they're getting. And so I like to think about it as starting with the end state in mind. So think about it just like you think about Google Maps, where you're actually trying to get to. And then you put the bundle of assumptions and tools and technologies together to help you do that. So when you're doing this attribution stuff right, it's about ensuring that the credit is correctly apportioned to the right touch point, the right action, the right activity. And so you can use more and more advanced analytics to get there, to give the right credit across the multitude of different marketing touch points. But the challenge here is actually to pick the right ones, which are actually driving the results. And so... There's some dissatisfaction because it's hard to decide what the right credit should go to. And most importantly here, it's not about the last click, the last action that was done gets all the credit. So I've been in situations where originally 100% of the attribution has been given to digital. And then later on, we actually canceled a TV campaign and the online conversion rates for the brand suddenly dropped 30, 40, 50%. So that kind of proved that everything couldn't be attributed to digital because TV was driving consumers to the Mm. website. So when you're doing that well, you've got to have some basic knowledge, some basic assumptions. And you probably know that people are are predisposed to the brand and that will impact your brand lift or brand equity studies and so you need to account for that when you're thinking about the performance of your brand campaign and so no surprise here that I'm going to call out the value and the role of the how and the mindsets and behaviors of doing this well because ultimately if you're trying to do this attribution well it's about shifting credit it's so often in companies which are mid to larger size it's often a political issue and it's often about change management so you need to do this well you need to involve your finance team because often this is some of this is 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 a maths problem. And you need to make sure that you're allocating the right the right elements of the PL to the right marketing activities. I was at a conference last year and there were some great examples from Chibani. And they involve their IT, their legal, and work across functions. Factual, another company in the room, they they have a media team, marketing, analytics, business, intelligence, and they they work across the different brands. But when you do this well, you can find aha, uh-huh, you can get insights and in what another car rental company showed during that that conference. They're actually over attributing to Google search, which they they did a test and they realized that when they did an A-B test, they proved that they were actually overspending in one area versus another. And so they could actually shift money. And if you wanna go deeper in this space, you should definitely visit the Mobile Marketing Association. They have a marketing attribution think tank. So if you go to the uh, Mobile Marketing Association, MMA, and they, they have this group called Marketing Attribution Think Tank, M-A-T-T, you'll find a wealth of knowledge, a wealth of insight and perspective to help you think a bit more in this space. And there's a, a the final example I'd share is there's an example from HelloFresh where ultimately they wanted to understand their entire customer journey, and they put together a campaign And they were able to sharpen their data because they actually had a better attribution of what the consumer was basically using between their phone, their tablet, or desktop. And it helped them rethink where consumers were spending their time and then best evaluate where they needed to put their creative and their content between the phone, tablet, or desktop. So something as simple as figuring out which of the devices someone's using is a great way to get sharper and better and more effective. Good stuff, Sam. One question for you. Who or what are Chobani? Yeah, so for the folks who aren't US-based, it seems to be a, a very strong brand in the US. It's a Greek yogurt brand, or i want to keep saying greek yogurt to pronounce it correctly over here and and they've been very very successful and grown a huge amount of market share with their more better for me better for you um, proposition and brand messaging that has really taken market share from the incumbents.
0: Very good very good so so that's step six of a plan Um, as always we want to think about what what should you do tomorrow what's the first thing that you should do as you walk in the office or you log back into Zoom as as is your preference. And and for me, I think it's about evaluating your current channels and making sure the bases are covered. And if you're a specialist in an area such as content or paid or SEO, look at how your channel can more effectively support your teammates. And this is a constant re-evaluation that you need to do. Just because you did it two months ago doesn't mean that you need that you don't need to do it today. Um, So that that I think is the first thing you need to do tomorrow. So Sam, time has called us up as always. Why don't you give us the three key takeouts from this uh, session?
1: Yeah, firstly, performance marketing is as old as it gets. Our argument is it's about having the data to know what does work and what doesn't work. Secondly, whether you're a small or large business, it's all about having the budget allocated. And this applies to you whether you're able to use Facebook, Nextdoor, or Instagram, you can use those platforms to win in that space. And thirdly, if you've heard anything throughout this show, it's about being able to be agile and pivot. There are a multitude of different platforms and technologies coming through. So you've got to make sure that you're checking on a regular basis your assumptions to make sure that they hold through.
0: Good stuff, Sam. So I'm going to keep it short this week. Next week's episode we're gonna focus on the next important step in the plan and that's about the the content the, the content you produce and the creative that you, you produce and the messaging to go with it. I think we're we're we'll also cover off a bit about sales promotions within there as well so incentives and how that links into your messaging. So a crucial section looking at creativity as well as sort of the, the core of what you're
1: doing around sort of content and adding substance to your brand. It's going to be a good show. Absolutely. It's a great build on what we've just covered and brings it to life in a a fabulous way. So until next week, Chris, have a great week across the pond.
0: Well, that's it for this week's show. We hope you enjoyed it. Find more by visiting marketingtransformed.com and click on the subscribe link. If you listen via Apple, Spotify, SoundCloud or anything else, then click on follow, subscribe or type "marketing transformed" into search. We're a new show, so please leave us a review, comment, or ask a question. We'd love to hear from you. Get in touch at marketingtransformedshow@gmail.com. at gmail.com.